Okay, listener. My traveling is done for now, and the case I was just involved in is a scary one, but one for a later date. As you heard from my last part, the lady in black wasn't happy with my presence at her house, and I paid dearly for it. Or did I? I walked out of the house incredibly confused, and since my day had just began, I decided to go to a local library that had some book on local legends and a bit of genealogy on the area. The stories were very interesting, and each a little different. Some who entered the house met a completely different specter. I met the one dressed in black who would ruin your night. Others met one dressed in white who would sob and speak of her murder, and a gentleman who would yell and scream at you to get out of his house. The weird thing about all three of these different ghosts and the dozens of reports is it always happened at 2 a.m. There was even people who admitted to feel like, like time had ceased until they blacked out because of pain or being scared half to death. It always happened at 2 a.m. and the ghost changed. But why? What caused the ghost to change? I needed to figure this out. But I returned home to try and grab a few hours of sleep because what I just went through felt so real and my body was drained. My eyelids closed at about 10 a.m. and 12 hours later, I opened one of my eyes because I could hear a strange noise in the room and noticed a very interesting change in Timmy's cage. He had almost chewed through one of the bars near the door that was attached to the lock. The little green glowing asshole was really trying to escape. And when I set up, he just looked at me, and then at the bar, and then back at me. He was letting me know that he was slowly getting out of his cage. I may have been correct in believing he was going to try and kill me. He walked over to his little area where water used to be and took a drink, I think. He then returned to his wheel and began squeaking loudly. It was almost like he was laughing at me. Maniacally. I sat and stared at him for a few more minutes until I thought to myself, energy would be a very helpful thing if I was going back into that house tonight. I walked into my kitchen slash dining area to grab some food, which was your everyday basic sandwich, a few chips, and a can of Fago Diet Cola that I had in the fridge, set down at my one-person table. After eating, I heard a very weird noise approach my door to my apartment, and then a very soft knock. The knock echoed. It was a very weird sound, almost as if the person knocking wasn't knocking on my door, but another door beside it in a completely different room. I approached the door slowly, opened it, and nothing. There was nobody there. I closed the door, took a step away, and heard the same sound again. I opened the door, and there stood the spirit of Howard Jacobs. Howard Jacobs returned to warn me not to go back to that terrible place, and that this was his last wish to try and save me from the horror that was going to happen to me tonight, since I had, you know, finally given him peace. He warned me once more, and he was gone. My heart began to pound loudly. Mr. Jacobs came back just to warn me that something terrible was going to happen to me. I was incredibly afraid, but at the same time, very, very curious. 
I walked into my bathroom and splashed some water on my face. Looked in the mirror and said, what the hell? You can only die once, right? I approached the front door of Tim's Manor, the mansion I was in the night before. It looked different. It looked like it was just built. And I could hear someone crying inside. I opened the door and walked in. I looked out at my watch, which read 2 a.m., and I realized I was back in the loop of never-ending time. From the hallway to the right, the same hallway the Lady in Black came down, I could hear the crying. And I knew this wasn't the Lady in Black, but the second ghost people spoke of in the books I read. I walked down the hallway slowly, being cautious, just in case the wicked ghost showed up and decided to throw things at me again. I could hear the crying getting closer and closer, and realized it was coming from behind a closed door that was also locked. I was taking in the sights of the house, which this time was beautiful and decadent. It hadn't aged at all. It was how it looked back in the 1900s per the pictures I saw, and was a most beautiful sight to behold. I stepped up to the door, knocked and asked for Hilda. The crying voice behind the door asked who it was, and I replied, someone who would like to help. Footsteps approached the door. Uh, the door opened and standing in the doorway was the most beautiful lady I would ever lay my eyes upon. She looked nothing like the lady in black. She had dark hair, full beautiful green eyes, and a smile that would make any person's heart melt just by seeing it. The ghost asked how I knew her name. I explained that I was given a gift to sense and see spirits. I had heard about her hauntings and I wanted to see if I could help her. She asked me into the room and welcomed me to take a seat. I found a chair, sat down, and listened to her sad tale. James Thames, the willing suitor and husband that would be, made a deal with Hilda's stepmother, Wilma, to the sum of $10,000 to take the daughter off the parents' hands. You see, the stepmother wanted the father to herself and was tired of the daughter always getting all the attention. When the daughter refused the engagement, the stepmother intervened and let the father know that Mr. Timms was a very well-to-do suitor and that he would be a great husband to their daughter. That night, Mr. Timms and Miss Winnington got together and made a plan for the wedding night. Wilma Whittington offered another $20,000 to Mr. Timms to take the daughter completely out of the equation. The wedding day came and Hilda protested. But the wedding happened, and when the newlyweds settled down in their new home, James poured Hilda a glass of champagne and then stabbed her ten times in the chest. James was sure the perfect murder had just been committed. He was going to grab his money, and he was on his way. But Wilma Whittington was two steps ahead of him, and when the newlyweds left the church, Wilma let Tim Whittington know what kind of man James was, and that he had blackmailed her for Hilda's hand and that he plotted to kill her that very same night as they reached their home. Mr. Whittington, Hilda's father, knocked open the door to Tim's manor and opened fire, calling out James Tim's name. Hoping he would save his daughter's life, the bullets from Mr. Whittington's gun ripped through the walls, tearing holes into it. He walked down the hallway and found the room with his daughter's body lying on the ground, and a cowardly Mr. Tim's hiding in the corner. He put the gun to Mr. Tim's head and asked him if he had anything to say. Then Mr. Tim's told him the whole plot. 
tears drip down Mr. Whittington's face as he fired the gun, blowing a hole into the back of Mr. Tim's head. He loaded the gun again. His wife, Miss Whittington, came in screaming and slumped over Hilda's body. Mr. Whittington turned and approached Wilma, screamed, You lying bitch! Pulled the trigger. The blast was so close and so hard that it made the skin on her face pill. Her eyes looked black and sunken into her head, and several teeth fell onto the floor. The left side of Wilma's skull was missing, and her body fell onto the floor. Mr. Whittington picked up his daughter's body and carried her outside. He walked back into the manor, grabbed the bodies of Mr. Timms and his wife, carried them into the main area of the manor, tossed both bodies into the gigantic fireplace that was built for the newlyweds in their new house. He walked outside, picked up his daughter's corpse, and carried her body back to town. When he arrived in town, he was covered in blood. Mr. Whittington was a well-known businessman and former mayor of the town, and everyone was shocked by the sight of him carrying his daughter's body. He walked up to the door of the sheriff's office, kicked it open, laid his daughter's dead body on the desk, and began to tell the sheriff his story. The sheriff gathered several men and went to the house, found the bodies in the fireplace, doused the fire, and informed the other men to make sure the house was boarded up and that no one was allowed to enter. The sheriff rode back to town and called on the local undertaker to come and take out his body. He locked Mr. Winnington in a cell for the night with hopes that he wouldn't be able to harm himself. The next morning, when one of the deputies arrived at the office, they found Mr. Winnington sitting in the corner of his cell, dead. He had tied one end of his belt to one of the bars in the window, put his neck in the loop, and then pulled the belt tightly around his throat. He dropped down, the belt buckled into one of the holes, and he suffocated himself. I was incredibly shocked by her story, and then realized the father had told the whole story to the sheriff. He would inform me that the curse was on the house, and the only way to help her was by getting rid of the place that she constantly haunted, and that in order to cleanse the house, I would need to burn it down. Grabbed a torn old curtain from the window and a lighter out of my pocket, let her know I was going to set her free. A shocked expression froze on her face and she didn't move. The house started changing. The walls had holes and the floors were breaking. The lady in black appeared. I called her by her name this time. Wilma. She screamed and let me know that burning the house down wasn't going to be an easy task. I lit the lighter and a board ripped off the floor and knocked it out of my hand. The ghost of Mr. Timms appeared and let me know that I would soon be added to the collection of ghosts haunting the house. The lady in black picked up another board, breaking it into pieces, and then slung them in. But this time I ran out the door and headed into the main area of the house. I noticed there were still logs in the fireplace and realized that if I lit them, I could spread the fire through the house pretty easily. <laughs> but again, another board was coming my way and I wasn't paying attention this time, and it hit me across the face, breaking my nose and causing it to bleed. I picked the board up and threw it back at her, but it went through her and hit the ground. She picked a board up under my feet, throwing me onto the ground, and then using her magic tricks, she dropped a wall down onto me. The lady in black laughed as she floated toward me, inevitably going to kill me. Mr. Tim's ghost paused in the other room and started piecing things together. 
He wondered how Mr. Whittington found out. He would have told him that Wilma let the cat out of the bag to her father, so he wouldn't get his money. I could hear sounds of something crashing through the walls, and, and all of a sudden he came bursting through one of the walls into the same room, pushed me out of the way, and pulled the roof of the house down onto the lady in black. It didn't phase her. She turned, closed her eyes, and Mr. Tim's ghost screamed in pain. His eyes burst out of his head. Ectoplasm seeped from his body. She pulled him apart, piece by piece, and he was gone. She had the power to destroy other ghosts. This wasn't a specter. This was a poltergeist, and a very strong and violent one at that. The lady in black's eyes turned into a glowing green and looked almost on fire. Everything on the floor started swirling around her, and ear-piercing laughs echoed through the house. She asked if I had any last requests before she made me a permanent part of the house. I stood up, coughing dust out of my lungs, and said, Smile, you bitch. What the lady in black didn't realize was that when Mr. Timms and her were having their argument, and when he brought down the roof, Hilda's ghost appeared and gave me the lighter. I set a bunch of the boards on the ground on fire, and as Miss Whittington, the lady in black, was doing her board tornado, she was spreading the fire through the house. The house was already ablaze, and she realized it in that moment. She screamed, You'll never be rid of me! I'll see you again in hell! As she laughed, turned into an ectoplasmic goop, and disintegrated. I walked toward the front of the door of the house. As the fire engulfed it more and noticed Hilda smiling, she thanked me, blew me a kiss, and disappeared as the mainframe of the house crumpled in, and I barely made it out of the house alive. Still confused, I wondered what Mr. Jacobs was so worried about and why he warned me not to go into that house. Funny thing is, my recent travel that I took will sum that up. But, that is a story for another time because, once again, the road calls. Just remember what old Gerg says at a time like this. When in life you're warned about something, don't let your curiosity get the best of you. Because one day, soon, it will come back to bite you in the ass. Until next time, remember that not every story has an ending. Most only a continuation.